The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Welcome to Meta Talks, where we bring in experts to dive deep into all things metaverse. With your hosts, Kate Hancock and Daniel Robbins. Welcome back to another episode of Meta Talks, part of the Metaverse Times publication. Very excited today to bring in our guest, Moto Tani from Animoca Brands Japan, the CEO. We recently met in Singapore at the end of 2022, and then we got a chance to even interview him live during the Philippine Blockchain Week. But I think there just wasn't enough time to really dive into some of the amazing things that he's doing. Animoca Brands in Japan is doing, and then also what Japan as a country is doing. So, Modo, welcome. Thanks, Dan, and uh, great to be back. Thanks for having me on the show. I know, excited. So, I'd love to hear a little bit about you and how you got to where you are today. Sure, I'll make it very quick. Uh, but I was born in Japan, raised in the U.S. Uh, my career actually started with a little bit of system um, system consulting, but went on to finance. Uh, I've been on the investment side pretty much all of my career. I spent my last 10 years in Hong Kong, where I got to meet uh, people from Animoca. Uh, I started out as an investor, but as I learned more and more about what Animoca was doing and what NFT meant for the world, and for Japan, I had to get myself in it. So I left a very long career in finance, over 20 years of investment to come back to Japan and to take on this challenge, to take Japan to Web3 uh, in October 2021. And that was a timing when we really spoke with the government intensively to make sure that Japan doesn't really fall behind in Web3. Because I think we all, as big of a country it is, we all know that Japan didn't really make it to Web2 in a big way. There's no company that went global. There's no Googles or the Apples and Facebooks from Japan. And it's been kind of been a slow, slow growth for the country. But when it comes to NFTs, and I look at it as a way to really monetize IP. I, I call it in a financial term, securitization, securitization of IP, but Japan has a lot of great culture and great IP. And I thought that this would be the last asset that Japan holds to really take it to the world and take it to Web3. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. You mentioned something around you were an investor and then you wanted to be a part of the company in a bigger way. Mm-hmm. I've heard that a few times and a few of our guests, either they were an investor and then they became like an executive C-suite or they went from an investor and they actually became an employee of the company. And I find that to be really interesting. It used to be like you had to apply, you know, and then, you know, the, you're kind of filling each other out. But now it's almost like the, the tables are kind of on the other way where you can be a part of a company 
and you get to know whether you want to be a part of the company in a bigger way. And then the company really gets to see that, you know, you're already dedicated and bought in, which I think is interesting from, you know, a perspective of how companies and employees are going to come together in the future. You know, I never really thought of it that way, but I think you are totally correct. And it is very, very interesting. And I think that's maybe that's another Web3 way of, of working as well. Kind of, uh, you know, being a shareholder, being a part of it. Um, and, you know, if there's if there's a role to be played, you know, step up and, uh, uh, you know, uh, build together. So in, in many ways, it's, it's, it's definitely, uh, uh, I guess, the way of the times. It's like skin in the game. So yeah. um, tell us too. So you mentioned, you know, Animoco. I know they were in Hong Kong. I think I've seen a big presence in Singapore and obviously other countries. So how did the connection of Japan and Animoca come about? So we, I started as an investor side, I started really helping out um, initiatives around Japanese um, government as well as the Japanese IP holders. And like any business or anything in life, and I have two big motives in life. One is timing is everything. Whether it be relationships, whether it be business, whether it be investments, I think timing is everything. The second one is it's not what you do, but it's who does it. So I looked at this and I said, how about the timing? In the Bitcoin days, as we know, know right, Japan was one of the leading countries in the world. But after a couple hacking incidents with Matt Cox, CoinCheck, the government really cracked down and really fell behind in the NFT space. So I had to make sure the government was ready to deregulate, to take Japan and you know, to make sure that we can go with three. And I got the sense that the government was ready. So that was one of the biggest, biggest reasons why I decided to really take part in doing this. And the connection is we are a, a strategic subsidiary of Animoca Brands. But at the same time, we have significant partners in Japan, two of the largest publishers, Kodansha, Shueisha are major investors of ours, as well as Bank of Tokyo Mitsubishi, Sumitomo Trust, and Daichi Life. These are the largest bank, one of the largest trust banks, one of the largest insurance companies. That gives us a lot of credibility in the market. I think it's also something great for the Web3 market in that with all the things that are going on around the world, it legitimizes its basically a proof of concept and proof of, you know, a proof of uh, uh, assurance, credibility of what we're doing. I mean, that's incredible that you're able to bring these organizations together. As we know, I mean, insurance and banking aren't always so quick to adapt to new technology. And I would imagine in an area like you mentioned in Japan, where some of these things have been so heavily regulated that they really, I'm sure, stayed away from it. Um, so it's great that you're able to bring bring those things together. I'm, I'm kind of curious, sir, if you have any advice uh, for others where people have come to us and said, hey, you know, I'm in this country and I have great connections, but I don't know what to do. You know, do you have any advice for people that really are seeing their country as an up, 
you know, up and coming place, but they have no idea how do you bring in like an Animoca or another organization, or how do you make, you know, the glue between these different uh, organizations? I think it's just like any business or even any person, if there's a problem to be solved, and if you have the solution to it, people will do it. Or if there's a need to change, you change. That's why I think a lot of the new technology advancements, whether it be from web zero to web one, web one to web two, web two to web three, a lot of times it happens when the economies are not so great because there are more people that need to change. So they have the ability to say, you know what, I'm going to move on. Let's do something else. Let's do something better. Let's, let's go to the next generation. Whereas, you know, they all say, why, why try to fix something that's not broken? So in the case of Japan as a country, we've been on a downfall since 1989. 1989 was the peak, just all downhill. Got killed in Web 1, got killed in Web 2. Population is decreasing. And there's a huge push to change as a country. So if you can go to a corporation, a company, or a person, Find out what the problems are. If Web3 is, is if there, there's so many different ways around Web3, there's, you might be, there might be, you might be activating an, an older IP that's been sitting there, right? You might be completely changing the way you're doing marketing, consumer engagement, CRM models. There's just so many different ways to use this technology. People, every person, every company, in whatever, wherever you sit, you're going to look at it differently. But there's probably, it will affect, I think we all in Web3 believe that it will have affect everybody in some way, one way or another, whether it's your business or, or you as a consumer. Hey, so we, oh, sorry. Go ahead. So basically, I think that's the basic, big, big, yeah. If you can go in, maybe if you're talking to a big traditional corporate, it's about talking about their balance sheet. It's, it's about activating your lower left-hand side. Maybe if you're talking to an IP side of things or an influencer or people that are using YouTube, you know, it's, it's about engagement. It's about community. If you're talking to a brand, maybe it's about marketing. You know, is your, what's your customer acquisition cost on Facebook now? What is it on, Right. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. What's, what is it like now? Doesn't it make sense to use this to form your own community? So these are the ways that I would um, uh, talk to different um, parties that are trying to get into it free. Yeah, I mean, the, the Japanese IP 
It's incredible. I remember I grew up in Connecticut, small town in Connecticut. All my friends were watching anime. This is back you know, in the 90s, early 2000s. And a lot of them actually learned Japanese. None of them were like of Japanese descent or had Japanese family. They learned Japanese so they could watch more anime. And I mean, that's in a small town in you know, Connecticut. So I can, I can only imagine. I know it's even bigger and bigger. Japanese, you know, pop music and animation just exploding. So it seems like the you mentioned the IP could be one of the one of the biggest ways that Japan could capitalize on what they already have without having to really like recreate. Well, totally right. I mean, if you look at Japanese manga and even anime, right? The, uh, especially like a manga side, they're still on paper. They never went web two. Japan never went web two. Look at what Disney has done. They created Disney Channel, right? Uh, they've gone completely web two. So the potential here is is crazy. And the number of titles, the number of IP that's here that hasn't been monetized fully or correctly, uh, not correctly, correctly is not the right word, but you know, fully, um, it's, it's huge. There's a very interesting uh, stats, and I think a lot of people in finance would know this, but if you look at the, um, if you take the, Amer the U.S. stock market, right, and the value of intangible assets in the U.S. stock market versus the value of intangible assets in the Japanese market, right, 85% is U.S. I mean, you, you look at Google, you look at YouTube, you look at, right, all these guys, it's intangible assets, right? You look at Japan, it's only 15%. But there's so much IP. Where are they selling it? Right? So the, the, this is basically, you know, where I think the big gap is. And this is the, the potential here to, to narrow this gap is is – what Web3 allows the Japanese companies to do. It's amazing how you can, you know, take what you have and then reach a global audience. And I'm, I'm curious, and I, I've seen some stats I've been following for the last few years around what you mentioned with populations in many places are declining. And I've seen a lot of talk around Japan. I don't know if it's like 20 years or 40 years or something like that. And, and forgive me if this is the stat, I, I, I butcher this stat, but it was something like, the country's population decline will get to a point where Japan will not have enough people to sustain like the country or something like that. And then, you know, automation, there's a lot of things that will need to happen. So, you know, how is Japan looking at that in terms of is, and I like what you said, where, you know, Japanese are moving back. Are they allowing, you know, other people to come in that maybe are not Japanese to build, you know, web three or metaverse, or how is it in, from a standpoint of if somebody says, I, I have a great product or solution. I would love to bring it to Japan. Is, is Japan more open to that now? Or, you know, what are your thoughts on this? I definitely think um, Japan is way more open to this. And we are seeing a lot of builders come into Japan for the first time or a lot of crypto uh, native people that left Japan after MapCost, CoinCheck and the crackdown by the government to um, that left for places like Singapore or Dubai uh, that are coming back because Japan is opening up. And we Japan has uh, is passing laws. They just, they just announced uh, on the 
I think uh, last day of uh, 2022 about all the tax laws that are changing. So there's a lot of things that are that are um, changing. Um, not everything has passed yet. So the effective dates will be probably sometime between April and the end of the year. They, they'll be staggered. But I think this is the year when if you really want to get in, uh, Japan is a very interesting place. And yes, I think Japan is, is a lot more open to getting people in, especially builders, especially uh, people, entrepreneurs who are interested. We are working with a, a few cities right now to, uh, to create special um, districts to allow for this. Uh, in fact, my, my, uh, my co-founder um, is an ambassador to Fukuoka City for, to bring on the Web3 uh, projects into Fukuoka City. So, you know, we act as, uh, you know, we help the city, we help the government in doing this as well. So, yes, I do think that uh, Japan is definitely, definitely uh, opening up. Yeah, it's interesting because a friend of mine recently was, he was telling me that he's been talking with the, I think the railway system in Japan to do some, I don't even know what it was, something in Web3 or Metaverse or whatever he, but I, I was just like, huh, that's, that's interesting out of all the places. And that's when I thought of you, I was like, Hmm, that is, that's fascinating. Like, I guess Japan is, you know, like you're saying, reaching out to different places, but it's amazing that you, that you, that, I mean, city representation and that, you know, you're kind of like the glue in between um, and you, you coming from a really worldly background that, you know, I think you can merge with different cultures. I'd love to understand how was it, um, you know, if, going from the U.S. or wherever else you live to then moving back to Japan. Uh, how was the transition uh, living there? Well, so, you know, I, I, I was born in Japan, moved to the States when I was nine, grew up in L.A., Seattle, New York, came back, uh, worked in New York a couple of years before moving back to Japan. You know, when you look Japanese, when you have a Japanese name and you, you speak Japanese, they treat you like Japanese, but, you know, a lot of times... Um, I might, uh, fortunately, I speak fluently, fluent Japanese, but that makes it a little bit unfortunate sometimes, right? When, when, when I, but I think more of like American. So, <laughs> um, you know, I, I work for an American firm, so it wasn't that hard. But, uh, but you know, going back to uh, what you're saying about the railway stations, I think what we're seeing, every country is adopting Web3 very, very differently, right? I mean, Philippines is, you know, it's about play to earn and gaming is how we really, you know, developed that, that community. Japan was really literally about Bitcoin uh, and then you stopped. But now Japan, um, the, there's a web three communities that are more on the, on the cre creative side and, and creating DAOs and NFT projects. But I think bigger, bigger thing that's going on in Japan in the last six months or so after the Japanese government announced for Web3 to be the national growth strategy, all the big corporates, you know, of course, every CEO of every corporate is going to say, hey, the government's saying this is the strategy. What are we doing about it? Of course they would, right? <laughs> and they, they assign some team and say, hey, you guys are in charge of Web3 strategy for us. And they all say, uh, what do we do? Um, and, you know, we, we, we speak to both many, many, many of these companies, from the railway companies, <laughs> right, all the way to the insurance company, to the retailers, to so these are these are these are companies that um, 
in other parts of the world, I think brands are, are making a move, but not necessarily on the infrastructure side, right? So um, it is definitely a very, very different uh, way of adopting. Uh, so, I th- you know, we'll see, we'll see how it happens, but that B2B side uh, of um, adoption um, is definitely moving, has started to move for sure in Japan. Yeah, I was, I was just reading about Orlando had built like a digital twin. I think they spent a million dollars or something like that to build a digital twin of their city. And I thought that was really interesting because I wasn't seeing a whole lot of that in the U.S., more like Dubai or, or Singapore. So it seems like from a from an opportunity or entrepreneurship standpoint, people can really start, like you mentioned, brands have already made the move and they're moving. But now yeah, government and other companies like that could be a big opportunity for people. So I have a really serious question for you, though. This one is going to be left field, though. So I hope you're ready. <laughs> What's your favorite food in Japan? Sushi. Where can I get the best, like the best, the best sushi? Ooh, that is a tough one. Um, there's too many, too many favorites. But um, if I have, if my favorite has to be one that's little, very close to my office, just down the road. Um, it's not that fancy at all, but it's just very homely. Hey, have you been to that? I, and I can't remember the name, the chef. He's like very famous. And it's like really, really hard to get into that restaurant. Have you been to that? The sushi, sushi one? Yes. Are you, are you talking about the old man, the 90-something-year-old yes. Sushi Jiro? Yes. Yeah, Sushi Jiro. I've, I've been once long, long time ago. Yeah. Okay, that's cool. I've seen it on TV. So, you know, like I yeah, like there's to do. A, there's, a, there's a special on him. Yes. I think yeah. I went. I think one of his kids had opened up a restaurant. In, in, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's yeah. His sons. He's got his sons. Got a, a open one. Uh, in a yes. Different location. Yeah. I think I went to one in Seattle that might have been owned by one of his sons or somewhere oh, okay. in the U.S. Um, okay. Uh, but no, it, it's been really great having you. I think you know Moto. It's. I mean, this is now the second time we've had you. So super appreciative for you to be there in the Philippines. I know in the Philippines they really loved your conversation. Uh, and they're actually launching, they were doing some editing to launch it so everyone can watch it on YouTube. But it was really great to have you back today to really elaborate on some of those points because I think it's really important for our audience and our audience is continuing to get more global and people originally were really siloed and like, I'm in the US, I need to operate in the US. And so I think it's great to bring in guests like yourself so the world can really understand that there's many, many, many opportunities all around the world so if somebody has an idea, they're working on something, is there a way that they can contact you or, you know, what do you, or Animoca or maybe someone that works yeah, for you? Sure, surely, yeah. I mean, you can go to our site, animocabrands.co.jp. Um, and, you know, there's, a, there's an email there or maybe contact my Twitter. Hey, are you on, are you on the Twitter blue now? Uh, I haven't called Elon on that yet. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I mean, it's amazing how Twitter is really, just everyone I know now is all of a sudden using Twitter. It's pretty yeah. wild. It's like, uh, it's quite yeah. fascinating. Um, That's great. Okay. 
So, okay. So Twitter, I know you're, I know LinkedIn has, I think been growing for you, but yeah, they got LinkedIn, yeah. it's, it's under my real name. So you very easy to find at Motoki Tani. So, okay. Well, thank you, Moto. Super appreciate you being here today and hopefully we can get to Japan and we can take you to your favorite sushi restaurant. We love that. Looking forward to that. Thanks for having me and uh, happy new year to everyone. Thank you for listening. Please rate, review and subscribe and visit metatalks.com. That's talks with a Z.